You are listening to the official podcast for ICGC Calvary Temple, Teen Chapel. Be blessed as you listen to life-changing messages by seasoned men and women of God. Pray to God and tell God uh, that in this service be glorified in the name of Jesus. That before the service ends, uh, want to see the glory of God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. We give you glory. Be exalted in this service. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.
opens rivers in desolate heights. The Lord makes the wilderness a pool of water. The Lord God is my son and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. Therefore, I delight myself in him. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall be fresh and flourishing. Though the earth be shaken, the name of the Lord is my strong tower. By faith I affirm that in Christ alone is my salvation. In him I live and move and have my being. It is written, the righteous are like a tree planted by the waters, bearing fruit in its season. So I boldly declare, as for me, my God has made me exceedingly fruitful. In this season, my spirit bears fruits of righteousness. My talents make way for me. With my hands, I will plant, I will build, I will harvest. Day by day, step by step, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God a hand of applause?
Chapel today, and I don't miss Teen Chapel at all. What's happened to us? There's no swag. Sing, it's as if you are being forced to sing. Clap, it's as if you are being forced to clap. It's only two people I saw dancing, and they were really enjoying. You could see that they were into what they were doing, they were enjoying what they were doing. But the rest of us is like somebody is forcing us to be in church. Church is not by force, so. Uh, working with God is not by force. It's a choice. God loves us and we love him back to praise him. If you don't want to do it, don't, want, don't do it. And God says, if you don't do it, you can even cause stones to do it on our behalf. I don't want stones to praise God for me. I don't want stones to pray for me. Many of us were so late to church this morning, including many of the facilitators. It was as if we didn't know what we were coming to church this morning to do. 
But I pray that we will repent. And for the rest of the service, we'll show to God that we have repented. It looks like we have decided that we will not read the Bible. True or false? You can't answer. True or false? So how many of us have been reading? Raise your hands, let me see. How many of us are on track? Wow, one, I'm counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow. Facilitators, I hope you're on track. By the way, facilitators, today the second Sunday, we didn't announce it, but we'll be meeting after church. Okay. Well, this morning um, and next week, God willing, we'll be having a chat. It's not really going to be uh, preaching per se, but I want us to open up to some areas of the Christian life that we don't fully understand no matter how long we have been in the Lord many don't seem to understand this and because of that it affects their walk with God and so today and next week we'll be exploring to fully understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues and related spiritual gifts. So, for today and next week, and like I said, it's not going to be preaching. And um, for more than 50% of the time, I want to answer your questions, the questions that are on your mind, the questions that bother you, the questions that that would um, make you understand some things that you don't understand. And I can tell you, for some of us, that's the reason why we don't read the Bible. So, we want to open up to fully understand. And uh, from tomorrow, we'll be fasting. If you like this one, you don't do. This one is compulsory. We'll be fasting everybody to 12 o'clock. So if you like, don't do it. Some people are relieved that it's up to 12 o'clock. But if you feel like continuing to 6 or to any other time, feel free. But everybody will be fasting on the day that you were born. And all of us would fast on Saturday. So those of us who were born on Saturday, we shall also fast on Sunday. So those born on Saturday and those born on Sunday, we will fast on Sunday. And all of us will be fasting on Saturday. So every one of us will fast at least two days this week. It's just from 6 p.m., 6 a.m. to 12 noon. Let me say 6 p.m. the previous day. To 12 noon on the day that you wake up. Okay. Are we okay? Did you get me clearly? And will you do it? But the way, if you don't do it, I will know. Don't ask me how I will know. But if you don't do it and I see you, I will know. Okay. Um, this morning, I'll speak very briefly quoting a few scriptures. And since we, I didn't give you enough time, um, I don't know whether you have any questions ready. But if you have any 
questions already that you have on your mind, I want you to write them now in the next two minutes. Write it very quickly in the next two minutes and we'll take them. And then when you go during the week, any questions that are on your mind, please write them down. And I mean every question. Some of you don't understand why people fall down. Some of you accuse people that they are pushed down. Some of you don't understand why you should pray in tongues every day. Some of you don't understand why you should pray in a language that you don't understand. Some of you, some of you are, 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 what's the word to use, Paul? It's like this whole issue of spiritual gifts, it's like, what is all this? You see your classmates behaving and doing things in the city where you wonder, why? I don't experience that. Why is that when I read the Bible, it's so dry? And then every day Uncle Bishop say, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. The facilitators are always harassing us. Why? Why should you do all these things? I said, in the next two minutes, write your questions and you're looking at me. You're folded your hands nicely. Write your question. What's your Bible? Is this your first time in church here? This is not your first time. And you don't have Bible. You don't have notebook. You don't have pen. And you are sitting in front with your arms nicely folded. Hey, babe. In the next two minutes, quickly write your questions. Look at some more of them. Sitting in the front nicely. Fo- Where's your notebook? Where's your Bible? You didn't bring it to church. I, I bet you, you are not reading the Bible. Are you? When was the last time you read the Bible? When was the last time you read the Bible? Say, mm. It shows. The Bible is on your phone. Have you been reading it? Sure. Have you read today? No. Yesterday? No. Two days ago? No. And you carry your phone everywhere. You have read your WhatsApp today, haven't you? This morning, this morning you haven't read your WhatsApp. You don't have data. Alright, if you're ready with your questions, please ask us, get the buses around and pick these questions. Um, and then get them to the front desk at the other side. Let them analyze it and then group them and then send them to me. And then throughout the week, next week, if you have any other questions on your mind, you can either send it by WhatsApp to any of the facilitators or you can write it down and bring it um, to church latest on Saturday so we can analyze them and spend time to answer all these questions. Very well. You know my observation this morning when I came to church? especially for the girls, I realize that many of you, you are more concerned about how you look. You are more focused on your dress and your shoes and the way some of you are walking. I could, I could tell. That is not the way you normally walk. But you, you felt good in what you were wearing and you wanted others to know that you feel good and your steps. I mean, it was so obvious. You may, you may not be aware. But me, I'm very particular about these things. I pray to God, but by the end of next week's Sunday, taking into cognizance all the messages that you have heard over the past few weeks, we will be more concerned about how God sees us and not about how our friends see us. I hope you are aware that we, our theme is, someone will say increase. I hope you are aware 
And you remember that our theme is the language of God. You've forgotten? Okay, I'm reminding you. Teen Chapel, we have slept enough. It's time to wake up. Ever rise up on your feet. Want to spend time praying in tongues for five minutes? Everybody, open your mouth and begin to pray in tongues. I want to hear your voice. Lift up your voice. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. Open up your spirit, man. Open up to God this morning. Allow the spirit of God to flood your heart right now. In the next five minutes, just five minutes, allow God to minister to you. Kaliba let heaven hear your voice open your mouth open your heart open your spirit lift up your faith let faith rise up in you faith in god faith in god faith in god let heaven hear your voice let hell hear your voice Lord, a fresh baptism this morning, oh God. A fresh baptism, Lord. A fresh invasion of our spirits by the Holy Ghost of God. In the name of Jesus. Atayile kasuaha. Atatatala mahasaya. Leba rose zevenderi yande. Leba paya. Apakatari yande lebesa. Lebo rose zozozoze. Hello. 
has it been since you talked to Jesus how long since you've seen his face is long Father, in the name of Jesus, we come. Touch us afresh. Open our eyes that we may behold you. Touch our hearts that we may love you again. Send us back to our first love. Show us what it means to walk with God and to live for you. You died for us that we may die for others. Teach us, show us how to, and may we be willing to walk this path of sacrifice. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You take your seats. This morning, all. I'll share a few scriptures with us. I want to be seeing the time, so find a way of adjusting yourself slightly. Okay. I'll be sharing a few scriptures with us, which I've put together and simply titled it because sometimes we need a title. How will you live? How will you die? Two questions. How will you live? How will you die? Like I said, it's not really... Um, a preaching or teaching per se, but I just want to open up my heart to you and I pray that you also open up our heart to, to me 
that will together open up to God for him to answer certain questions on our hearts. But before we proceed, I would want us to watch a nine-minute video and then we'll take it up from there. So the media team, if you are ready, can we please have the video? How will Two years you... after the Titanic sank, The year is, uh, was 1914. There's another ship that sank. It's called the Empress of Iron. It was uh, going from Canada to London. And it had about 1,400 passengers. Over a thousand uh, people drowned and died. Uh, they only rescued about 400 plus. But the sinking of, the, of this ship is very different from the Titanic. It sank very fast. In 14 minutes, it was under the water. So they, were, it was, they didn't have time to lower the lifeboats. Now, on board this ship, uh, there were business people, there were rich people, celebs. But there was also 170 Salvation Army youth leaders. And they were on the way to a Salvation Army conference in London. And so they, it was in the middle of the night as it sang. Their cabins so happened to be next to where all the uh, life jackets were stored. So they grabbed a life jacket each and they jumped into the water. They were very lucky. There was only 400 plus survivors. So when all the survivors were rescued, they were looking for these 170 youth leaders. But they couldn't find a single one of them. Everyone died. They were very puzzled. They started an investigation. What happened to these 170 youth leaders? So they had a survivors meeting. And they started sharing their stories. And the stories came out were all the same. Some had personal experience. They all said the same thing. Young person. A young man, a young lady, swam up to me, took off his life jacket, and gave it to me, and laid down their lives. And then, after they all had no more life jacket, you know what they did? They, they knew they didn't have much time. The water was too cold. But they swam around asking people, are you a Christian? And leading people to Christ. Praying for people. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Until eventually, every one of them died. 到最后，这一百七十个孩子，每一个人都死了。There was a a man, a survivor. 在存活的人当中有一个男人。He told his story. 他讲出自己的故事。Now he was this big. Macho, strong, tattooed guy. He is a very strong, tall, very muscular, and he has a lot of confidence. He was in the water. He said when he was in the water, a young girl, 17, 19 years old, a young girl, 17, 19 years old, swam up to him, took off her life jacket, and gave it to him. He took it, he put it on. But after a while. He felt like I'm this man. How can I take the life jacket from a young girl? He said, "I'm a big man. How can I take the life jacket from a young girl?" So he swam back after the girl. 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 When I die, I go to heaven. 我死了之后能上天堂。If you die, you will not go to heaven. 你死却没有天堂的盼望。So you gotta live. 你必须要活下去。This man, 这个男人 ，with tears in his eyes， 眼中带着泪。He said that night. 他说那个晚上。I was saved twice. 我被救了两次。Once from the water. 一次从水中救起。And one more time for my sin. He gave his life to Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. When I heard these stories, when I heard these stories, I couldn't help but wonder: Will there be a generation like this in our time? I couldn't help but wonder: Will there be a generation like this in our time? Because I always hear parents complaining. That oh, this young generation—they're all so selfish. Because I always hear parents complaining that the young generation is too selfish. But why aren't there a generation like these young people? Why are there no generations like these young people? So I begin to dig deeper, like like investigate more. I begin to dig deeper, like like investigate more. There were Salvation Army youth leaders. Now, Salvation Army was founded by this man called William Booth. 救世军是卜威廉这个人创办的。Now, in those days, Salvation Army they were powerful. 在当年，救世军是非常大能的。Now they they were really the army for salvation. 他们真的是让人得救恩的军队。Now, by this time in 1912, 1914, William Booth was very, very old. 等到一九一二一九一四年的时候，卜威廉自己已经年纪非常老了。每一年，卜威廉会写信发给世界各地他救世军的军官们。Older, 他年纪越大，他写的信内容就越来越短。Just before he died. 就在他死之前。The last letter he sent out. 他发出的最后一封信。Only had one word. 只有一个词。And that word is others. 
那个词就是他人 ，others。Live for others. 为他人而活 Young people, live for others. 年轻人为他人而活 Don't live for yourself. Live for others. 别为自己活，为他人而活 It's Christ who lives in me. 现在是基督在我里面活着 He said to all the young people, 所有的年轻人 Live for God. 因为上帝活 Live for others. 为他人活 And today, now, 今天 A hundred years later. 一百年之后 ，Will there be a new young generation? 有没有全新的一个世代 ？Who will lay down their lives, lay down their dreams? 愿意舍下自己生命跟梦想 ？And live for others? 为他人而活 ？I believe yes. 我相信会有。I have seen it in Singapore. 我在新加坡看见了。And I know in Taiwan there will be. 我知道台湾也有。A new generation living for others. 新的世代为他人而活。In this nation. 在这个国家里。Your church, in your city, in your city, wherever you are, God is calling for a new generation. They are rising up. They will be idealistic. They will make a difference. They will change the world. They will make history. Two years. Hark the voice of Jesus calling. Who will go? Fields are white and harvest ready. Who will bear the sheaves away? Long and loud, the master calls you. Rich reward he offers free. Who will answer gladly?
Lord, speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. How will you live? How will you die? When Jesus came to this earth, he knew exactly what his mission was. He knew exactly what he had come to achieve. Jesus said, what I see the Father do, he said, in the volumes of the books, it is written about me. And I have come to fulfill that which is written in the volumes of the book about me. God has a plan for every one of us. He has a plan for our lives. That is why we are not all the same. That is why we are all not as tall as I am. Or maybe even taller than I am. That's why some of us are short. That's, of, that's why some of us are handsome. Some of us are beautiful. All of us are beautiful though. But we are not the same. We don't speak the same way. We don't have the same gifts. We don't have the same personalities. Our entire makeup, all that God has put in us, is a line that will fulfill the purpose for which we came onto this earth. During the present worship, you know, when some of us are not getting involved, I mean, a thought just occurred to me. Assuming, and you know, but there were many of us were late, so you don't even, you cannot even relate very well to what I'm saying. But assuming that God had spoken to every one of us in our homes and said, today when we come to church, those of us who are working, we are going to receive a triple promotion. We are going to receive a triple change in our businesses. Those of us who are schooling, those who just wrote a BEC, God is, says he's coming to give you, is it nine ones or ten ones now? He's coming to give you nine ones or ten ones and give you your first choice school. Those of us thinking of going to the investors, God says he's come to change your grace. He's going to make them all A's. And you'll get your first choice uh, uh, course that you want to do in the university. 
you will get that scholarship that you have been praying for. If God has said this to us in our homes today, how many of us will be late to church this morning? Let's be honest. And we are not the only ones. Even the disciples felt the same way. We think more about ourselves than about God. I hope you're analyzing the questions for me and grouping them, please. We think more about ourselves than about God. And that is the challenge that God has with us. How you get us to be aligned to his will and his purpose for our lives. When Jesus appeared on this earth, the Israelites were going through difficulty. They had been colonized and they were being ruled by Rome. And they wanted to be free. They were paying so many taxes and they were tired of paying the taxes. And the prophets had prophesied that there was coming a Messiah that would deliver them from all these. And they were looking forward to that Messiah. So when they got to understand that Jesus was the Messiah and they believed in him, they knew that freedom was coming. They knew that change was coming. They knew that liberty was coming. But Jesus didn't talk about liberty. He didn't talk about freedom. He didn't talk about deliverance from Rome. He said that I came that I will lay down my lives. And the disciples said, what is wrong with this man? We had hope that you were coming to deliver us. What is this you are talking about? Throughout his life and throughout his time with them, he tried to teach them and to show them from the scriptures that that's what the scripture says about him. And that is why he came. They could not fully grasp it. They were more concerned about their own comfort and their own benefits. Finally, when Jesus was about to die, this morning I was, I was reading the scriptures, by the way, I want all of us, apart from the Bible reading we are reading, those of, who are, of us who are not reading, please repent and start. If you haven't started. And if you are lagging behind, please catch up. Next week I'll be sharing with us some thoughts that I discovered about Judas. But for today, just before he died, he began to talk more about his death. And the said, no, 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 this is, this is, we don't understand, we cannot accept it. Peter says, no, then I'll die with you. At least he said he'll die with Jesus. But for some of us today, if death comes in, Jesus, after death, you can go, let me leave. Then he finally died. They lost hope. They all gave up. They went back to their activities. Some of them went back to their fishing. They forgot about all this issue about the Messiah. And then Jesus began to show himself to them. One by one, and in groups, he began to show himself to them. They got to the point where they now believe what Jesus said. That he came that he might die for sinners like you and I. That we might be reconciled to God. That we will have our sins forgiven. That we might live in peace with God. That we might walk the ways of God and work the works of God. They began to believe. And the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he was taken up to heaven, we find it in Acts chapter 1, from verse 4. 
And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This was so, so, so important to Jesus that these were the last words he spoke to them before he left them. He has said it several times to them earlier on, but they didn't fully grasp it. And when he was about to leave them, he said, wait for the promise of the Father. The Father has promised us something. Wait for that promise. Yes, you are thinking about your BEC results. You are thinking, you are married and you are hoping for children. Your business is done. You are praying that God turn my business around. You are looking forward to that promotion and let's, oh God, when will this promotion come? You are yearning to go to university. You don't want to do a second world war. You've already attempted it. You're not sure how to go, but oh God, help me. Let me get to the university. Let me get that cause that I want. All these are fine, but what is in the, on the mind of God is the promise that he has made. And he says, wait for that promise. Some of us have received this promise, but we don't fully grasp the promise. And that's why these sessions, it says, you have heard me say, I've told you several times before, that John, where are you? You're going ahead of me. You have heard me say, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. When Jesus was emphasizing this truth to them, they still could not grasp it. So, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is it the time of my breakthrough? Lord, is it the time of my miracle? Lord, is it the time for my turnaround in my business? Lord, is it the time for that, that major miracle that you have promised me all these years? And he said, listen, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And one of the things about the Christian life, you see, it's one of the things that we find difficult to understand, this thing about miracles and deliverance. It's, it's our birthright because of what Jesus did for us. But sometimes we cannot relate to the timings. Why has God delayed my miracle? And why does it work miracles in other people's lives? It's difficult to understand. And why is it sometimes I have to suffer too much and sometimes I don't even see the miracle at all? That is not for today unless it comes in as a question. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. That is why we are alive. We live to be witnesses. If you're not being a witness, you are not alive. You're not living. You have a name for being alive but you are dead. In the mind of God and how he thinks. The purpose why we are still alive after we are born again is to be a witness of the fact that Jesus Christ died. He died for you. That is why we are alive. And if you are not carrying out this mandate, there is something wrong with our lives. You, you cannot be saved and go to heaven alone. When your family dies and goes to hell would that make you happy 
You play around with your friends. You have fun with them. And you know anything happens to them, they are going straight to hell with no chance of repentance. But you are going to heaven and you are happy with that? We must learn to live for other people. Jesus left heaven and came down because of us. He didn't need to. He could have arranged the Father and wiped us all this generation and created another species of being. But he chose to come down. Jesus lived his life for us. We must live our life for other people. He said, I laid down my life for you and left you an example that you might follow in my example. That is the reason for our living. Good grace, good food, good things in life, they are just, they are just benefits that God gives us, but that is not the reason why we live. Is somebody hearing me? The purpose of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, this promise that God, Jesus talked about here, is not that we, too, we can speak in tongues. No. It's to empower us that we might be effective witnesses. That we might boldly tell other people about Jesus. And bring them to the point of conviction. You see, and it doesn't just come automatically. It has to be worked out. That is why he gave us the ability to pray in tongues. That's why we must use that gift. We have been lazy for too long. And we need to wake up. Church, we need to wake up. Throughout the week, I want us to read this, I think it's about six or so chapters, and spend time to meditate on it. John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, as well as 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Read these chapters as many times as you can, and note down questions and issues that may come across your mind that you do not you may not fully understand paul wrote in second galatians chapter 2 verse 20 i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i that live but christ lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me if we are to live the God kind of life, we need to die to ourselves. It's not about what we get. We must put that down and focus on other things. We must, by faith, it must be a choice. That is the real living. Paul says in Romans 14 verse 8, for if we live we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are not ourselves. We have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. So we cannot live our lives the way we choose. We must, by our own will, choose the life of God, the, will, the, the, the plans that he has for us. We must discover these plans and walk in these plans. That is how we must live. If you are to live, to please God. Jesus says, what I see the Father do, that is what I do. What do you see the Father do? 
That is what the whole issue of the language of God is about. You must see and know what the Father is doing. What is the Father doing in your life? Are you aware? You are not aware because you don't read the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. These things don't come by somebody coming to prophesy over your life or somebody coming to lay hands on you or somebody coming to pour anointing all on you. It comes by you reading the scriptures and God enlightening you to see his plans for your life through the scriptures. And that is why we must read the Bible for ourselves. Read the word for yourself. One last scripture, then we'll see if you can take a few of your questions. And maybe next week I'll talk a little bit about this. First um, Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8. This is another scripture that's jumped to me. I haven't finished meditating on it, so I'll not talk too much about it. Maybe next week I'll talk a little bit about it. If you have time and you're interested, read the whole chapter and you get the context of this verse better. First Thessalonians 3 verse 8. For now, we live if you stand fast in the Lord. If you read this, this verse out of context, you might not grab it. Paul is saying, for now, he, Paul, he lives. When you stand firm in the Lord. If we apply this to ourselves, what I, for example, will say that I be you, I live. If you think chapel, you are standing fast, fast in the Lord. You are because you are, you live. If your friends and your family are standing fast in the Lord. So what it means is that if your friends are not standing fast in the Lord, you are not living. If a family is not standing first, first in the Lord, you are not living. You must learn to live for others. Make sure that they are all in the Lord and growing in the Lord. That means you yourself must be growing in the Lord and you must be challenging others to also grow. When they are growing, then you are living. If not, you are dying. Do you get what I'm saying? Or you are confused. If your friends are not living in the Lord, not just living in the Lord, if they are not standing fast, they are not standing strong in the Lord, you are not alive. That's what the scripture is saying. When you read the whole chapter, you understand it better. Paul was talking about the believers and was talking about the kind of life they were living. I was happy that they were strong, they were, they were believing God, they were walking in faith, they were growing in faith. And then he comes to this verse and says that, we live. Now we live because you are standing firm. If Calvary Temple is strong, then Pastor Kujo is living. Otherwise, Pastor Kujo is dead. He's not living. If Teen Chapel is not standing firm, standing strong, growing strong, being steadfast and growing in the Lord, I anchor you, I am not living according to the scripture. And if you apply it yourself, those that are within your circle, those that you can influence, if they are not living, if they are not standing strong, you are not living. 
I pray that God will open our minds, open our hearts, that we will understand what it means to live for other people, even if we have to die for them. Let me share this testimony with you, then I close, and then we'll see if we can take, take some of the questions. Do you have the questions ready for me, please? I was at the funeral this um, past weekend. That's what I was in here. I was actually, thank you. I was actually like the main organizer and coordinator of the funeral. And in the family, there were some serious issues. One particular one, my cousin who died, the children were not getting along well. It happens in every family, but this one was very serious. For more than 10 years, two brothers born of the same father and the same mother were not talking. So even to unite, to work towards the, 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 the funeral was a problem. One of them had even just decided that he was not even good to contribute to the, the, to the funeral. He didn't say it directly, but he said indirectly to so many people. He actually didn't contribute anything. It was a bother. Many people in the past have tried to resolve the differences between them. I attempted a couple of months ago after their mother died and I talked to them one-on-one -on -one, and they were willing that we meet to resolve the issues. And then as I tested stage, one of them just said, that, look, I don't want you to resolve this issue. Let things stay as they are. How can you force to resolve? When? So we got home and I told them, whether they like it or not, I'm going to sit with them to resolve this issue. And well, I think it was the Lord who made me to take that bold stand. And even through that, I wasn't too sure whether he would come or not. Because it, was, it wasn't beyond him. So, on the Monday, before I came down on Tuesday, I met with all of them, together with the extended family. Those were very close, close extended family. And for about three, four hours, we were talking about these issues. And by some dint of miracle, this guy who was being so stubborn just came to the realization that then, from the way things are going, it means that he is the one who has offended his brother and he apologized. Look, to be honest, all of us were pleasantly surprised. So we prayed. Our four of us were pastors uh, uh, in that meeting. So we prayed for them, we prayed for the family, and then later on we encouraged them to try and visit. Because it was, they, the issue involved their wives and their children, it was a nasty thing. We encouraged them to visit one another, you know, at least try and build up on the relationship. And the next day I was, I, was, I was happy to hear that one of them had visited and the other one wasn't in, but the second one returned the visit and they even sat together and they ate from the same pool. For more than 10 years. Azima had decided to leave for myself. After I had tried, they said, don't do it. There are several old people who are even dead and gone. They have sat with them and nothing came out. In fact, the second person, before, before I met with them, he's another stubborn person. He came to me and said, look, he was marking the way people resolved the earlier ones. He said one of them, he gave them 3%. Another one, he said he gave them 30%. He's waiting to see what I also do, so he also grade me. I said, well, it's not about me, but it's about the Holy Spirit. 
And when we had finished, I felt like, I said, so how does he grade me? And I decided to keep quiet. Then he himself came and said, smiling, he said, oh, uh, uncle, I, I grade you 80% and I grade your wife 90%. And we laughed over it. But the good thing is that I chose to live for others. The Christ in me must be seen in them. If that is not seen, then I am not living. And that must be our life. Father, we thank you. Speak to us that we'll stand strong in you. You will read the scripture for ourselves. We we'll spend time with you in prayer and in fellowship. And then we'll learn to draw other people to you. We we'll effective witnesses for you in the name of Jesus. All right, so we'll try to explore some of these questions. I may call on some of the facilitators or even some of you to help us resolve some of these um, issues here. Okay, so the first one I have here. Is this a more questions or for me to drop them in? Okay, thank you. Is it possible to pray in your head and not out loud? Is it possible? Yes, and there's no reason why you shouldn't. In fact, if you exercise well enough, you can even pray in tongues in your head. But, so... To answer your question directly, the answer is yes. But I wouldn't recommend that that must be the only form of prayer that you pray. There are some of us, because of our background or because of our temperament, we don't feel comfortable praying aloud or because we are not too experienced, we don't want others to hear what we are saying. So we claim that we are praying in our head. Sometimes we pray in our head and we fall asleep, even in church. Or we pray in our head and we don't concentrate the important thing is to pray in faith, believing, and to pray in line with the scripture. If you are not praying in line with the scripture, we are not really praying. Okay? It's a meaningless prayer. We must pray in line with the scripture, and we must pray believing what the scripture says. There are times where you may not have the luxury to pray aloud. Those are the times that you can pray your head. Like, for example, I mean... If you grow one day, become a big man like I was, and at the corporate way, and a manager meeting, there's a board meeting, and you are sitting down with other managers, and they want to pray. Is it not the time I can't open your mouth and say, Cabo? No, 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 that's not the time. You do that in your head. Okay? So there are times for those type of prayers. But learn different and all kinds of prayer. Learn to pray in tongues, learn to sing, learn to worship, learn to sing praise, learn to celebrate learn to read scripture, learn to make declaration, learn to pray all kinds of prayer. Okay. Why does the Bible say that you must pray without season? Why? Okay. Yesterday night, I was listening to a message which I sent to all the facilitators some time ago. If you're on WhatsApp, I would like to send this message to as many people listen to it and you understand. There are some scriptures that you should not even ask questions about. Just obey. Just obey them. When you obey them, you begin to understand why. Because my best answer may not necessarily uh, what's the word? You may not be satisfied with my best answer. 
God knows why he says he must pray without ceasing. So just pray without ceasing. When you pray without ceasing, you begin to see the benefits. You understand why you must pray without ceasing. Like I said, pray in terms 10 minutes, 15 minutes minimum. And you're not doing it, so you don't see the benefit of praying in terms. You cannot even move from 15 minutes to one hour. You cannot move from 15 minutes to always praying in terms. When you are quiet, you are praying in terms in your head. Because you have not obeyed the simple instruction. Okay, so that question is not that straightforward to answer. Yeah, if I attempt to answer it, I may not give you a very good answer. But just obey it. It's the scripture. Obey it and you see the benefits. How do you receive the Holy Spirit's baptism? Like I shared this morning from the scripture, it's a promise. And God has made a promise. So, listen, if I make a promise that I will give you five cities, how do you think the promise can be fulfilled? Talk to me. How can the promise be fulfilled? If I say I'll give you five cities. By giving the person the money. Yeah. By giving the person the money. By giving the person the money. So it, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the person who made the promise. I made the promise and I said, I'll give you five cities. So when I give you the money, then I fulfill my promise. God has promised he will give us the Holy Spirit. So expect him to fulfill his promise by giving the Holy Spirit. So on our part, how do we receive when he is given to us? We receive the same way as we receive everything else from God. We receive it by faith. That's where sometimes we get a little shaky. Faith simply means believing the scripture and acting as if the scripture is true and expect what the scripture says to happen. So if God says you, you will give us the Holy Spirit. It's a promise that he has made that he will give us the Holy Spirit. Just expect to receive the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? We are going to do some practical demonstrations. I don't know whether we'll be able to do some today or definitely next week we will. How many of us haven't received the Holy Spirit baptism? Show by hands, let me see. You haven't received the Holy Spirit baptism. How many of us? One, only one, two. Don't be shy about it. Raise your hand properly. I want to see you. Okay. Before this series is over, you receive the Holy Spirit baptism, and I'm not going to pray for you. Okay. Your friends are going to pray for you. The facilitators will not pray for you. And for some of you who will be praying for them, this may be the first time that you may be exercising faith. It is a scripture, isn't it? So you don't have to struggle. You don't need experience to pray for somebody to receive God's promise. Are you following me? Do you understand what I'm saying? And will you do what I'm saying? When I call upon you, will you pray for somebody? Will you? You must live for others. And I'm not going to call experienced people. I'm not going to call experienced teenagers. We did an exercise here in Teacher some years ago, and I, I enjoyed it. I mean, that was the first time I did it, but I enjoyed doing things like that. Some people who hadn't received the Holy Spirit baptism. They came forward to be prayed for and we prayed with them. And then some of them started speaking in tongues. Then I said, those who are just spoken in tongues, pray for your friends who are also seeking. And I joke like those. Some of them started falling. Some of them started screaming. Said, hey, so me too, me too. I can lay hands on somebody and start to help. Oh, yes. You must learn these things and it helps 
build up your faith. Okay? So we receive the Holy Spirit by receiving it as a promise. We receive it by faith. Why is it many people fall down and not everybody? I've heard this question before, but okay. The second part of the question, why doesn't everybody fall? When we are worshipping God, why is that everybody doesn't dance? Why is that some, only some people dance? When, why is that even, just not what I said, why is that only some people laugh and some people didn't laugh? We are different. We have different temperaments. Our emotional states are different. Our spiritual states are different. Our backgrounds are different. The things that follow us from our families, they are not the same. Uh, for some of us, our parents, our parents' parents were serious adult worshippers and their levels in the adult worship. And some of them, they have robed you in and you have to find a way of breaking out. There, there are so many reasons. And some of you are willing and you are ready. Some of you are not willing and are not ready. For some of you, you are fighting within you. For some of you, you believe, but you are analyzing with your mind. So your, your, your heart is telling you yes, but your mind is telling you no. So within you, there is a battle. You know, so these and many other reasons. For some people, there's a confrontation of powers. The power of God and a certain power that is within you. For some of us, is such a hunger and a desire for God that when it happens to you, you are overwhelmed. And when you are overwhelmed, sometimes you break down. You know, sometimes when you are overwhelmed, you just cry. You can get very good news or very bad news, or you break down and start crying. And then you sometimes you you don't want to cry, but you are crying. And you wonder, why am I crying? But you are crying. Does it happen to some? Not all. It doesn't happen to all of us. It happens to some of us. So there are many reasons why some people fall down. Okay. But the reality is that when you come into contact with the power of God, something takes place. If you, fall, if you don't fall down physically, you may fall down emotionally. You may fall down spiritually. You may, there's a falling down. There's a certain bowing to the power of God. So it happens to different people in different ways. And some people too are so stubborn and hard that they are dead. You can't do everything that will happen to them. God chooses to do some things to make a statement. In the days of Catherine Kuhlman, there was a time when some journalists came to the meeting to discredit the works of God that Catherine Kuhlman was doing. And there was one journalist was there very serious, you no know, looking for things to criticize. When the spirit of God started moving, nobody this is the journalist's own right, you know. Nobody knew what before he realized he had been carried from where he was, it was thrown under a piano. There was one time I was watching a program on TBN, and Rod Parsley was ministering, and there was a certain aristocratic lady, I mean, typical British aristocratic lady. When you see the lady, her dress, her hat, I mean, and she was sitting in the front. And she had crossed it. You could see that she was sort of like, what is this man saying? I don't believe what he's saying. 
you know, and it was sort of in, in her mind. You could, you, could, you could tell by her expression. As the program went on, and as I was watching, before we knew what was happening, the woman slowly started sliding out of her chair. She was seated, though. She was sliding out of her chair. And before she knew, she was down. And she couldn't get up. And she, she didn't understand what was happening. Later on, Rapa Sivy made some comments about that. You see, there are times where, look, listen, even us, when we minister, when God is moving, I can't tell whether you follow or you fall. The falling is not the important thing. The important thing is what you do after you fall. Or even when you don't fall, what you do when the Spirit of God is tearing in your heart. Sometimes, due to stubbornness, God can cause you to fall. Like what happened to, to, to Saul. He wasn't even thinking about uh, Christianity. He wasn't thinking about Jesus. He thought he was doing the wrong thing, but he thought he was serving God. And when that thing happened on the Damascus road, he fell down, he heard the voice of God, and the others around him didn't even hear the voice of God. They said, he's attended. So, when it comes to these things, to be honest, incidentally, the, the scripture also doesn't give any answers. So, you can't understand why. And let me plead with you, don't try to understand why. Just know that it is not unbiblical. It is biblical. And even if you think it's not biblical because of some wrong doctrine or whatever, talk to God one-on-one. He knows how to deal with you and to assure you. I had a very sweet Christian sister. She was older than me in the Lord. I was a very baby Christian at the time. But I received the Holy Spirit baptism. I spoke in tongues. I was teaching. And we were moving together. We went on crusades. We did all kinds of stuff together. And there was one time we went out on a crusade. I wasn't in that particular group at the time. But when they went out, they won some souls. And one of the souls that was won, it was a young girl, about 15, 16 years old. But she was into witchcraft. The mother had given her witchcraft. So they prayed for this lady and she got delivered of the demons. And then after she got delivered, they decided to pray for the Holy Spirit baptism for her. And this, my friend, was a typical Baptist. Those days, Baptist people who didn't believe in speaking tongues. I was a Baptist too, but we were a different kind of Baptist. But there are some Baptists those days. Things are changing now. She didn't believe in speaking tongues. She has been taught to believe that it was demonic. It was from demons. So when they started praying for this young girl, she left aside. She went to an extreme corner of the room. And there she was praying alone. Oh God, you know my stand on this. You know, and she just had a personal prayer time with God. Before she knew what was happening, she was like a lo- locomotive. She just suddenly exploded out of the corner started speaking in tongues. The lady who did not believe and believed that it was from demons. But in her heart, she had the right attitude to God. So these things we cannot we cannot explain. You know, you don't you don't fully understand, but we know that it's scriptural. Okay. All right. When you pray, how will you know that God has answered you? I think we've talked about this several times. And I'll say it again. Real prayer, proper prayer, for first John chapter 4, I think verse 13 to 15 or so, is when we pray according to the scriptures, when we pray in line with his will, we know that he hears us. 
And when we know that he hears and we know that he answers, you can only know that you have the answer based on what the scripture says. So if you don't stand on preacher, sorry, if you don't stand on scripture and you pray, you cannot be sure whether he has heard you or not. So anytime you pray, first look for a scripture that is in line with your prayer. You, it may not be directly in line, but related. For example, I mean, nowhere in the scripture you see that God helped me to pass my exams. How do you know God will hear? You won't find any scripture that will say God will help you in your exams. Okay? But there are several scriptures that you can use and relate it to the essence. For example, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You have learned well. You have written to the best of your ability. Now you are leaning on God to help you to go through. You understand? So when you pray, learn to look for scriptures. Can you please monitor dancers so we know when they are, they are done them? So, you need to get into scripture. That is the only way that um, uh, you can be sure that you have answers to your prayers. Um, I think these questions are more general questions. I wanted, okay, doesn't matter. Let's focus on the general questions. Next week, we'll focus more on the essence of this time. Should we come to church all the time? What is your definition of all the time? It's 24-7. Um, but scripture says that we should not forego the assembling together of the believers. So it's a good thing. So it's good to come to church. Uh, your addition of the all the time, uh, I have to understand what you mean by all the time. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult to answer it. So you, you define your all the time and answer it for yourself. Um, but you, you all know broom, these uh, traditional brooms. You no, know. it is said that you know when you remove the broomsticks from the broom, it's very easy to break the broomstick. But when you tie the broom together, you try to break the broom uh, as a, 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 a one lot. It's very difficult, almost impossible. Those of us who uh, do charcoal fire at home, when the the, the charcoal is together and they are burning. They are really red hot. But take a red hot charcoal out of the coal pot and put it on the ground. Within a short time, the fire will go off. It's the same way for spiritual life, you know. When we are together, there's what you call the corporate fellowship, the corporate anointing. We wrap off on one another. The Bible says that we are interdependent. For example, you are not a preacher. I am a preacher. If you refuse to come to church, how are you going to hear preaching which will help you to grow? You are struggling to read your Bible. Who is going to encourage you to read your Bible if you are alone and you don't keep coming to church? But you come to church, you do realize, you say, have you read your Bible? Hey, Auntie Gina again. Then next you come, Auntie Frida says, have you read your Bible? These facilitators. I don't want them to ask me again, so I'll try and start reading. You know. So when you gather together, we, we help ourselves no, David said that I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. All of us who are in families, we are happy when we are out and we are coming home, except those who are struggling with their parents and their siblings because they are stubborn 
or because they think that their parents are stubborn. But when you have love in the home, no matter the friends you have outside and the fun you have outside, when you go on, you always yearn to come back home. Are there not churches in my village? When I went for a funeral, why did I miss Teen Chapel? You know, there's something about a family and fellowship. There's something that we wrap off each other and then we grow together. We help one another to grow. So, yes, it's good to come to church. I wouldn't say all the time, but as often as possible. Of course, you cannot practically be in church 24-7. Okay? But as much as possible, it's always good to be in church. If God knows that when he tests us, we fail, why does he test us? Yeah, he knows all things. The test is for you, it's not for God. The test is for you. Sometimes we don't <laughs> we don't believe that we have some weaknesses or we don't believe that we have some issues. But when we go through some things and then we are not able to stand, then we come to that realization that, ah, I have a problem here. I have an issue here. And the Bible says we must come to him boldly by the blood that will receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of weakness. He says, if we accept that we are sinners and we confess our sins, you forgive us and cleanse us of all our righteousness. You all know that scripture. Where can you be found? First John. Where is that scripture? First John. First John 1 9. Okay. But if you don't accept that you have sinned, how will he forgive you? So, so sometimes the test is to show us what is in us. Okay. So the test is not for him, but the test is for us. No, because sometimes we find it difficult to accept that we are what we think that we are not. Why should we pray every day when we are fasting and always continue when we are done? Okay, similar to the first question, why should we pray always? Why should we pray when we are fasting? Fasting is not hunger strike. Fasting is not doing away with food and or water. But the real reason why we fast, according to the psalmist, is that when we fast, we humble ourselves before God. You know, it in intensifies our prayer. You know, it, it, it shows that we are focused on what we are doing. We, we come to the point where our whole mind, oh God, this one, you have to move. You have to do something. You know, we depend more on him. And depending on him means that we have to believe the scripture. And not just believe the scripture, we also have to talk back to him. Because if you say you are fasting and you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, you are just on hunger strike. You are starving yourself. It's not fasting. Okay? If you want to understand and study fasting better, take your time to read Isaiah chapter 38. It gives very good reasons why you must fast, how we must do it, and the kind of things that you must do while we are fasting to make our fast effective. Okay? So, the one who asked this question, people who have similar thoughts, please make sure to Read Azar chapter 58. Why do we have to pray in tongues 
all the time during prayer time. Understand that most of the I don't understand most of the parables of Christ. Let me you. you don't understand the parables. No. If you want to understand, by the way, a parable is a story told to teach a simple truth. Basically, that's what it is. You know that some of your, your parents, I don't know whether your parents do that, but your parents sometimes when they want to tell you something, don't tell you directly. Uh, you see that sometimes they'll they come out with a proverb and don't say sometimes you wonder oh, why, what are, why are you saying this? Okay. Um, that is what a parable is. If you want to understand the parable, whenever you read the parable in the scripture, go up a few verses. Find out what happened before the parable was said. And then you understand the parable. Because normally, something happens and for Jesus to explain or to answer a question or to explain what happened, he tells a story. So, don't be too interested in all the details of the review of all the different parts of the parable. It's not important. The important thing is that Jesus is trying to explain what happened a few verses earlier. Okay, so that's a way to understand parables. It makes the understanding of parables uh, fairly easy. Why should we pray in thanks all the time when we come to church? Okay, we'll correct this error. Some of us, all our prayer is praying in tongues. How many of us are like that? Hey, own up. Some of you, all the time you are praying, you pray. Anytime you come to pray, you say, let's pray. Ga, 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 ga. Uh, let's confess our sins. Uh, let's pray for um, our friends who are in school. Ga, 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 ga. We, that is why we are having this series. We need to understand what the baptism is. We need to understand what praying in tongues is. We need to understand the different types of praying in tongues. And we need to get the dynamics of praying in tongues. So we know when to pray in tongues and when to pray with our language. Paul says, I will pray with my, the spirit and I will also pray with my understanding. And in fact, I hope we get to talk about this next week. But is that the end of the um, offering? There, there is a level, you know, I keep telling you as that you, you must learn to make declarations in prayer. Okay? Learn to make statements. Not necessarily asking God, but you, you, you speak. You speak to situations. You, you speak to things. There's a level and dynamics in prayer. After you have prayed in tongues and you have read the scriptures and you are in tune with God, you are so much in line with what God's will is. Change back to your language. You realize that you are no longer praying. But you are making statements. You are making declarations. You are, you are saying that this is what it should be. Do you understand? But that is a, is, a, is a higher level. And if you don't go through the rudiments that we are teaching, you will never get to that level. But we need to get to that level all the time. So in order to get to that level faster, you need to pray in tongues as often as possible. In fact, we don't pray enough in tongues. Let's get the offering basket around and take the Cornelius offering while we finish this up. Because you see, sometimes when we pray, it, it takes time for us to get out of the state in which we are, our unbelief, our laziness, 
um, so many negative things in our lives. We need to, we need, we, the Holy Spirit works with us to get out of that until we get to the place where we are working in faith and we are moving more in line with the will of God. That is where prayer becomes sweet and becomes meaningful. Okay. Sometimes when we pray in tongues, in church, we are just making noise. Sometimes some of us are just making noise. I will never forget, as a young Christian, we had gone out on a crusade, and then we, met, we went to meet a group of intercessors who were older than us at the time. They were not too old, but they were, more, they were older than us because we were students at then. And these people had been locked up in the church, not locked up as in locked by key, but they had locked themselves as in prayer. For 40 days, they had been fasting and praying for the various crusades that were taking place at Obuasi at the time. And when you walk in, Charlie, as soon as you walk in, nobody tells you that this is the atmosphere of prayer. You can sense that the people have been praying. And when you talk to them, look, they can hardly talk. It's as if they are memory. Listen, real prayer, when you get into that state of faith, you don't shout. It is said that empty brows made the most noise. You remember Hannah when she was praying? You know, the prophet said, look, she's drunk. She wasn't drunk. Even the prophet couldn't see that the woman was in deep prayer. There's a level of prayer where you get to. That's why we encourage you to pray, pray in tongues. You see, if you don't pray in tongues, you keep asking these type of questions. Why should I pray in tongues all the time? Is it important to pray in tongues? God knows why he wants us to pray in tongues. Next week, you may talk a little more about it. But yes, we encourage you to pray in tongues as often as possible, but you must also learn to pray with your own understanding. You must learn to pray with the scriptures. Why should we pray in tongues? I hope I've answered you already. If not, Bible says that we'll come back to this again next week. When we pray in tongues, we build up ourselves. We edify ourselves. That is only one aspect or one benefit of praying in tongues. Next week, I may elaborate on um, different benefits of praying in tongues. But God knows it's to our benefit. That is why he gave us this gift. And if he gave us the gift, let's use it. Understand why you should pray in tongues. How is it possible to pray every day? How is it possible? Yeah, I think that's what you're trying to say. How is it possible to pray every day? How is it possible? How is it possible to sleep every day? How is it possible to eat every day? How is it possible to walk every day? It's a choice. You can do anything you want to do anytime. You can sleep every day. You can pray every day. You can breathe every day. So, yes, it's possible. Or you think it's not possible? The one who asked me the question, if you're not satisfied, you can see me or any of the facilitators. But um, I can tell you that normally people who ask such questions practically are not doing it. And because you are not doing it, you don't see the benefit of it. Like I told you, you don't read your Bible. I, I, I haven't seen you not read your Bible, but I know you don't read your Bible. Is it not true? It's true. Uh -huh. You do the same. You see your phone, but you don't read it. Okay. But when you start doing certain things, you, you simply grow in it. How do I serve God 
Why should I pray in tongues? Okay. How do I serve God? We'll come back to this next week. How do I serve God? This is plenty. I think we'll move this on to next week. Are tongues manufactured by the mind as a result of the Holy Spirit? No, they are not manufactured by the mind. But they are utterances given by the Holy Spirit. Again, we'll explain this in further next week. Do people go into the spiritual realm or instead faint when they fall under the power of the anointing? Uh, hmm, okay. There are different types of this, so I'll attempt to answer it. Is tongues compulsory for every Christian? It's not compulsory, but it's good. Is tongues the only language of the Spirit? Why don't we understand when we speak in tongues, yet we say it is our Christian language? Okay. We'll leave this up for next week. Okay. All right. Um, I know there are issues on our mind that we are thinking about. Okay. I want to strongly encourage you. Don't always, one of the things that many of you who know me, know me for, leave this one. Is that sometimes when you ask me questions, I throw the question back to you. Go and talk to God. Learn to understand his language. Learn to hear his voice for yourself. There are some difficult or tricky questions that older people or older Christians will help you. But as Christians, all of us have access to the Holy Spirit. So let's learn to talk to him. No matter how difficult the question is, God knows how to answer us. So let's learn to open up to him so that you answer us. Okay. And I pray that throughout this week we'll be serious with what I suggested that we should do. Let's talk to God. Let's spend time in prayer and meet again next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Precious Redeemer and friend.